1: to Cry Like a Boy, an original Euro News podcast that aims to promote a cross-border discussion on gender roles. Our goal is to enable audiences all around the world to deconstruct prejudices and to better understand gender issues in Africa. My name is Hobozo Budibe and I am with you from Johannesburg, South Africa. For those of you who are new to this show, let me tell you a bit more about it. First, we bring you tales of toxic and healthy masculinities with an original reportage from one African country in collaboration with a journalist on the ground. Then we discuss the story heard in the documentary with two guests. In the last two episodes, we heard the stories of Banna Bama Mainara, the Lesotho men who leave their country to work in South African mines as zamazama, clandestine, or illegal miners. As you might imagine, sometimes it gets quite hard to produce a podcast in pandemic times. Today, you won't hear the recording of a live conversation with our guests, but we had to record the two interviews in separate moments. Our first guest is Mbiwa Manguiro, who is based in Johannesburg, just like I am. Mbiwa Manguiro champions gender equality in South Africa and the continent of Africa from both sides of the divide. She is driven by the belief that gender inequality is harmful to both women and men. She believes equality cannot be achieved if men and boys are excluded From efforts to attain it. Our second guest is Rosalind Morris, a Canadian anthropologist who has taught at Columbia University for 25 years. Madame Morris produced a documentary called We Are Zamazama, which is part of a bigger multi format project. This documentary talks exactly about the story you just heard in the last two episodes, but it features protagonists who come from Zimbabwe instead of Lesotho, with some significant differences, as you will hear.
2: The man which I'm getting now is the man to feed my family back home. I'm here in South Africa, illegal. I don't have a passport. But if I can get something, my hope or my my wish is to go back and do my studies which I left today. Back home. And come back again with all my documents, which can make me free. Some people they can ask themselves a question, those people they are dying day night. Why they're not we just leave this thing? We cannot just leave this thing because that's where we feed ourselves. That's where we pay rent. That's where we, we can take uh, our young brothers and sisters to school. In order for me to, to wake up in the morning to eat is the only to go into the mine, to parent, go to the mine, to bath even everything. What I, what I depend on is the mine only. We chose
1: to focus on the story of the Zamazama Zama as one of the biggest pressures all men around the world feel is to provide, to put food on the table for their families, to be breadwinners. As one widow explained to us, mines are a very lucrative business for uneducated people compared to other forms of employment. Miners bringing home the big bucks are the envy of all their peers, but they also put their lives at risk. The story of the Zamazama pushes all the consequences of this breadwinner, pressure to the extreme. But let's first meet these Zamazama to understand who they are exactly. Rosalind Morris, just to bring you in here, what can you tell us about these young men?
0: They're people with very different life trajectories, but they know each other, speak the same language. They share the predicament of being marginalized, and in fact, I would say oppressed, members of an oppressed minority community in Zimbabwe and they share the predicament of economic destitution which has led so many minority people in Zimbabwe to have to flee to look for work in adjacent countries. These are people who are following the same routes that their forebears followed for generations and as in the past that kind of cyclic migration means that people have families in at least two places Often many, many more. They're spread out across all of Southern Africa. They maintain intense relations with those people. You know, in the age of social media, they're WhatsApping each other just as much as we're Zooming each other. They're sending small remittances back home if they can, but that's not very likely for people on the bottom rung.
1: Here in South Africa, Mpiwa Manguiro explored the social consequences of the extractive industry, an industry that since the old times is deeply connected with masculinity. Mpiwa, what are the different pressures that it brings on different genders?
3: The extractive industry has had an impact, a differential impact on the different genders, if we were to put it that way. Because when you look at it, as I've said, it's an industry that in South Africa, it has serviced a number of countries. There's normally an expectation that the men should be the provider. It is often men who have to leave home and have to come and work in this industry because this is a labor-intensive industry. So there's always also that assumption that men are physically strong and more capable than women to function in this industry. So you find that it is the men who have had to leave the home. And when we're talking in the context of Lesotho, it's the men who have had to leave their homes in Lesotho because of the pressure and expectation on them to provide for their families. They have had to walk away from the families to come and find their footing in this industry, which has its own different forms of violence because of the different masculinities that emerge and also that interact during the process of establishing oneself in this industry. you find that sometimes men also go through a lot of violence even as they try to establish themselves as miners through legal or illegal means. And you also find that what then creates is an absence or a vacuum when they leave home to come and work in this environment or in these mining places. They leave a family behind, which family now needs to learn to fend for itself in the absence of this provider. And often it's the women who are left behind by these men who now have to step up and also find means of trying to fend for the family while this man is away working whatever he can, which he is expected to send home. But the reality is because oftentimes these men are away from home for quite a long time. They end up getting to have other families. So you find that what would result is that this man has left Lesotho. When he left Lesotho, he had a wife and a family there. He comes to this mining town. He ends up meeting another woman. And in the end, he also establishes another family there. So instead of being able to fend and send and take care of the family that has been left in Lesotho, now he has a responsibility to also take care of this family that is with him in this mining town. The resulting issue being another form of conflict. When he eventually goes back home to Lesotho, he is not caring much as has been expected of him to be a provider. And it means that he is also leaving another family behind that now has to live with an absent father who has gone back to the other family and the women have to step up in these families. Most times they have to also step up and play that role that is often associated with the men in their
1: absence. Thank you, Mbiwa. It's clear that women do play an important role in this story, and it is not at all a passive one. When they are married to Zamazama and choose to follow them to the mines, they end up putting their lives at risk exactly as their husbands do. Rosalind Morris, what are the ways in which these jobs affect women?
0: For those that have spouses in South Africa, in my experience, it's quite unusual for the women who are married to zamazamas to be involved in the other kind of work that is often done around the, the deep-level mines. Women do do a lot of work around those mines. They are crushing rock. They're doing the most labor-intensive and, frankly, some of the most dangerous work because they are crushing rock that is full of quartz and crystal, and they are basically breathing
2: ground glass all the Tired. 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 Mm. Tired.
3: Mm. Tired. All the time Tired. we have the pain. Mm-hmm. All the time
0: we the pain. So it's an incredibly dangerous job that they have, and arduous. But most men who go underground prefer it if their wives are not working on those crushing fields. And most women who can avoid it, avoid that job too. So they may work in, uh, as peace workers. They may take jobs as domestics. They may have little kiosks or gardens that they sell uh, to, the, to the market. It's, it's a pretty heterogeneous world.
1: On this same point, Mpiwa, can you give us your response to it? What are your thoughts?
3: You find that women have also been trying to find their way and they've also been trying to be involved in the extractive industry. But because of the nature of violence that sometimes comes with this, then certainly they become victims because they suffer multiple forms of abuse. Within the mining towns, we know that when women try to come and be involved in the trade, sometimes they end up having to find themselves um getting into commercial sex work, sometimes intentionally, but sometimes unintentionally, they find that these are the options that they have found but also you find that the women who have been left home now find themselves in a position where they have to step up. But it's also because there was an expectation both from men and from women that the men should provide, which is stemming out of our societal and gender norms that have always defined or tend to define men as the provider. So as that woman has also had an expectation on her men to provide. Then when the man leaves, you find that women then find themselves having to carry this bed, this responsibility and having to face some of the multiple forms of challenges and abuses that they face. So yes, they are also victims, but there's also a part where they also try to play a part. But unfortunately, because of the nature of how sometimes uh, harmful gender norms, toxic masculinities and societal expectations play out, then they end up also being victims in the process.
1: Let us just get back to the question of breadwinning. The reason these young men leave Lesotho is because they feel the pressure of being breadwinners. Let's talk a bit about this, Mpiwa. What are your thoughts? What are your observations? What do you see?
3: So what happens is that there is this general tendency to expect that a typical man is a man you know the 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 hegemonic masculinity a typical man is a man who's supposed to provide shelter to provide food to provide clothing to be able to protect their family that's the kind of the expectation from society of the definition of a typical man so what you then find is because Lesotho is a country that is also got its fair share of economic challenges So the reality is sometimes the opportunities for men to be able to play that role where they can be gainfully employed and be able to to provide for their families is limited and they find themselves having to cross over to South Africa where there's been a, a thriving extractive industry or where they're thriving mining expectations. In that decision, when men make that decision, it is because they are trying to live up to those expectations. They're trying to live up to that pressure where they are saying they need to go and find means of provision. And so what becomes, particularly we are talking where people have not had a high form of education for them to try and look for formal employment, the next available thing that they can do for them is to come and join the work in the mines. So first of all, this is the pressure that is put on a man, that as a man, you've got to provide. As a man, you've got to find a way. If you are not able to provide, then you are not good enough as a man. Or if you have no means of taking care of this family, you are not good enough as a man, which also creates this form of emasculation that come with not. Being able to live up to the societal expectation of being able to provide. So then there's, so even young men have this pressure that they need to cross the borders and go and find employment so that they can be able to provide, so that they can be able to have money to pay for the dowry price for their wives. So that's the pressure that it brings. If you are not able to make the provision, then you are not a man enough. And also the other pressure is because the extractive industries, industry is also coming with its own challenges. There's a lot of wars, there's a lot of fights that are are happening in that process as men try to, to establish themselves and set their feet and then sometimes they are forced, they find themselves put in a place where they are forced to commit crimes so that they can be able to get protection or to survive and sustain themselves in that environment. So, this is the fear, first, the pressure that is on the men.
1: But down there in the mines, it is not all about toxic masculinity and harmful behaviors. Rosalind Morris, drawing from her decade long experience investigating the world of Zamazama from Zimbabwe, explains.
0: These are people who are living on the absolute threshold of livability, right? But they are not people who consider themselves to be without choice. In fact, it's very important to recognize that for people who work as zamazamas, Zamas, this is often thought to be a, a sovereign choice because they are not working for other people. Or this is the story they tell because they can work when they wish to and earn enough to survive. And then when they are able to, when they have enough accumulated, they will stop going underground for a while, then pick it up again when they need. It's, it's got a rhythm, the, the rhythm of need, and they pursue that. But it's also important to realize that their lives are not completely abject. There's an enormous amount of creative energy. There's great pleasure underground. People listen to music. They eat together. They sleep together. They spend days underground and in, in really intense social life uh, and not just you know, scrambling for the tiniest morsel or the smallest bit of money. So they have a very, very intense bond underground. People who work together in teams, who know each other, usually who come from a same community, who speak the same language. Five or six or seven languages might be spoken by different groups underground in any mine. But that bond is uh, sort of proven in the moment that someone is injured or killed underground, and they will do anything to bring that body up and they will do almost anything to ensure that that body is returned to its home so it can be reconciled with its ancestors. I mean it often at huge huge risk and cost. Uh, they will spend all their savings, all the savings they've saved to go home to transport a body.
2: We are bizarre.
0: And you could say in one way that that's a kind of dense social note of solidarity and fraternity, and it also works in some ways as the inversion of the funeral societies, because instead of allowing people to save money and, and share it in moments of need, it basically is dissipated with every catastrophe.
1: Thank you for listening to Cry Like a Boy. In the next episode, we'll continue our conversation and dive into the ways in which toxic masculinity can play a role in the Zamazama's lives and expectations. This show has been produced by me, Hopozo Budibe, in Johannesburg, Pascalina Kabi in Maseru Lesotho, Lilo Montalto Monella, Marta Rodriguez Martinez, Naira Davlashian, Aura Bakala and Mame Pea Diao in Lyon. Special thanks go to Lori Martinez, clezia Sala from Studio Ochenta, for helping us produce this podcast. The music theme is by Gabriel Dalmaso. I would like to thank our guests, Rosalind Morris and Bua Manguido. We remind you that this podcast is at the heart of a multi-format project which also includes video portraits, web articles and op-ads. You can find more information on Cry Like a Boy on www.euronews.com slash programs slash crylikeaboy. Follow us on Twitter at Euronews is our Twitter handle and on Instagram we are at Euronews.tv. Please do not hesitate to listen and subscribe to the podcast on Euronews.com or CastBox, Spotify Apple, Google and Deezer. And of course, give us a review if you wish. Also, do not be shy to share with us your own stories of how you changed and challenged your view on what it means to be a man using the hashtag cry like a boy. If you are a French speaker, this podcast is also available in French, Dan la tête de Hommes. In the French episode, we invite the woman leading an 18-month-long strike of cleaning ladies in a hotel in Paris and with a sociologist from Gabon who knows a lot about invisible workers. In the next episode, we'll continue the discussion with Mbiwa and Rosalind. See you in two weeks.